Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Hoff. Well, a very good morning, everyone. This is your humble immigrant correspondent, Chris Dunham, back again, guest hosting for Todd Huff, my dear friend, at the home of conservative, not bitter. And uh, I'm always fascinated when Todd asks me because I wonder how the last time went. And uh, hopefully you'll continue sending those emails. My contact information, let's just get that out of the way, is just Krish. K-R-I-S-H at KrishDunham.com. K-R-I-S-H-D-H-A-N-A-M. Krish at KrishDunham.com. Send me your uh, feedback as to what you liked or what you disliked, but I'm always humbled after this many years in this country that someone like me who comes from where I did would have an opportunity to actually be on the airwaves more importantly, not of my own doing, but as a guest host for someone else's doing. Well, a lot has changed and a lot has transpired since the last time we were together. And so rather than pick up where we left off, which we can't because many moons have passed, I myself have had a little bit of travel, uh, including to the country of Albania, where I'll head back again in another week. A changing world be to the pandemic, that words that people are using are now endemic, that it's here to stay. Just this morning, I kind of laughed when someone said there's a new variant, and uh, it's the media variant, I think, which they said that it's, you know, we're going to make it up, or I don't know, maybe the next one is just going to be called, I don't know if I'm a moron. <laughs> but we are here, and we are trying to laugh our way through something very serious, Um the virulent nature of what we have experienced has both been catastrophic to personnel who we have lost along the way, but also has limited our ability and our exposure in terms of our income, etc. So I thought to myself as I'm recording this in Dallas, it's a chilly 35 degrees here, quite unusual for us, but probably par for the course for where you're listening. And as I thought to myself, what can I do to evoke a little sunshine into the lives of those who are listening? Because our airwaves have been inundated with information that is not necessarily motivational or heartwarming. I very rarely listen to the radio as much as I used to. There are a few shows I still try to pick up, like Todd's show, and maybe a few of the other conservatives, depending on where I am. But the one thing that has really caught my attention is this absolute apathy that all sides of the aisle are now in, which means we don't know which way is up because there's just no baseline anymore. So as we navigate over the course of today, and I think I'll guest host again tomorrow, so we'll try to uh, narrate some ideas and concepts, which is what I bring. I'm a social commentator. I'm not a journalist, and I'm not even an opinion editor of any kind, which means nobody is really clamoring to find out what I have to say about anything. 
But if you want to follow me along in my little humble diatribes, uh, Instagram is one place and LinkedIn is one place. But I've shied away from a lot of the things because of the places I go and the hostility in some of these foreign countries. And as a result, I do maintain some kind of digital anonymity to the best of my ability. But today, as I was uh, driving to the office saying, what can I possibly say that Todd hasn't already covered What can we bring in the advent of this new year? What can we bring a year into the presidency of a person who um, came in with a different kind of agenda and left the nation with inflation? And it's quite puzzling that people see the same data and can come at two diametrically opposite positions. And I think it's almost as if we want the solutions that will appease us. You know, Dr. Phil often used to say, he says, as individuals, we seem to like the outcome of our behaviors. Otherwise, we would change the habits that led to those behaviors. And on one side, we have the conservative argument that always historically has lent itself to the logic of the mind and the will of the people and the freedom of enterprise to be able to do that which individuals are capable of doing by their God-given ability, sans restrictions that come. Now, I've traveled the length and breadth of this country over the years, and even during the last two years have made it to the the majestic parts of the beauty of this country and to some of the parts of this country where rules and regulations have crippled economies, i.e. some of the elite cities on both coasts. And the one thing I have seen across the board can fall into two categories. One is there seems to be a desperate desire to constantly create a new way in which common sense can fail. (laughs) Let me repeat that. There's a desperate desire every day for people to stand up and find a new way for common sense to fail and not let it just fail. They're also adamant that as common sense fails, they have to at the same time offer an opinion that will to the rational mind seem like the rise of ignorance. So it's in parallel. They come out and they say, here's what we're going to do. And you'll say, wait a minute, that makes no sense at all. And he says, yes, not only are we going to drop common sense from the top and allow gravity to take its course, we're going to defy gravity and make ignorance rise. And you and I, who are just common people, hardworking people, who have the ideology of some kind of faith, a family that we want to support, a country that we love and a dream that we want to aspire to, marvel at this ignorance and saying it cannot be. Educated people cannot be standing in the halls of Congress making such asinine statements that have no bent to them and no reality to them and then surround themselves by absolute mockery of people who actually believe that. There is no person on earth who ever went to college can actually say to me with a straight face that I should not be held accountable for the choices I made. No, hardship falls on everybody, and I've been on both sides of the coin. I've had good years, and I've had bad years. But I never once looked in the mirror and said, the result of my folly is someone else's problem. And as a result of it, not only am I going to make sure that my mistakes are not atoned for by myself, I want someone else to pay for them, and I want someone else to pay for them for no reason other than the fact that I've been told that that's what I should believe. 
There is not a person who grows up in any house whose parents educate them that when you mow the yard, you get a compensation for it. If you don't mow the yard, you don't get a compensation for it. Chores have value. Whatever it is, the baseline common sense dictum. But I seem to be surrounded by a menagerie of fools who seem to think that common sense does not need to exist anymore and basic economic sense uh, can be jettisoned. I mean, those of you who are listening probably are seeing that I'm passionate about this, but let me ask you a question and honestly answer to yourself that if you ever came up short in your economic intake, what is the first thing you did to curtail this problem you were in? You stopped your economic output which means if the money coming in was going to have some kind of a limitation, either because the economy was bad or the company went belly up or your commissions didn't come in, the first thing you sit down at the family and make a budget, even before electronic days, I remember a little legal pad in our dining room table where my wife would put in how much we are getting in and how much is going out. And then we would have the number in either red or black at the bottom saying whether we go old or whether we were on the plus side. And it was common sense. You could make that decision with 2000 or 3000 and the multiplication effect should work. But here we are with the fall of common sense that is just so astronomical it is beyond anger right now. It is beyond the pale of wondering how we have arrived at this situation. We almost seem to be on the cusp of a debacle that nobody can make any sense of. And I, this is where I sit paralyzed. Because supposedly the ones making the decisions all went to erudite economic powerhouse schools that uh, when you put on your resume, you know, boasts of that Ivy League. But it's almost like, you know, the the information coming out of them looks like the other day I said, uh, with the pandemic, one thing I've realized is the easiest job on the world is to be a ventriloquist because both the dummy and the ventriloquist are masked and we don't know whose lips are moving, but someone's making them move. So when these people come on TV and they are elected and they supposedly went to great educational institutions and have behind them the pedigree of a family that had everything, and they stand and look you in the eye and talk about economics with such absolute ignorance, and then you look at their own personal net worth is in the multi-millions of dollars, and you think to yourself, wow, public service is really a good gig. You obviously say to you didn't get it into the money, but you thought you were going to help the people. And now you're passing laws that the numbers they throw out are in the trillions. I remember a time when 973 billion was put as a cap in one of the previous administrations because we said people would balk at the word trillion. Well, very soon after that came another stimulus of 1.3 trillion. And now they talk about trillion as if it is just another. So we've gone from the millions to the billions to the trillions. And people are saying, hey, you know what? The best way to dig ourselves out of an economic hole is to continue to dig. Not to stop digging and say to yourself, how do we get out of this hole, but to continue digging. And again, this is not a conservative argument or a liberal argument, or uh, maybe I am bitter and I shouldn't be a conservative, not bitter. But the reality is it makes no sense that common sense can be jettisoned to the degree that you and I are actually having a conversation saying, hey, maybe in order to succeed, we need to stop spending. 
But the issue then is, no, we need to build back better or whatever. You know, these are all catchy phrases and I don't know, I don't care what they mean or what they sound like. I've had money, I haven't had money, and when I haven't had money, I wanted money, and when I had money, I tried to save what little I had so that when I didn't have money, I wouldn't have to go around begging other people for it. But wasn't that the purpose of the American dream? Now, I know when we come back from the other side of the break, we'll talk a little bit about what about real economic hardship that befalls people, and is there a solution we can provide without throwing everything out? More after the break. I hope you're still back with us and uh, welcome back to the Todd Huff Show. This is your guest host, Chris Dunham, filling in from Dallas, Texas. And uh, someone from outside my office said, I saw your studio light on and I saw a sign outside your office said, recording in progress, do not disturb. And I gingerly walked silently by your office only to see you riled up and shouting through the walls. Are you okay? I said, no, I was just having a spirited argument with myself on common sense. And But we live in a strange time where I tell people it's okay to talk to yourself. It's even okay maybe occasionally to answer yourself. But if you're arguing with yourself, you probably need professional help. And maybe in that first segment, I found myself arguing with myself about the fall of common sense. Now, common sense is not common practice. That's why we are where we are. In the days of old, when they told us the stories after the Great Depression or after the big war, as Mr. Ziegler would say, that was in all the papers, World War II, America's industrial machine that had been completely um, commissioned to produce something for the war effort uh, was now getting ready to be up and running on the heels of a new revolution. A lot of these lads that came back uh, who went as boys and came back as men became what Tom Brokaw called the greatest generation. There was a time in American history where a majority, they say north of 50% of the CEOs of some of the biggest companies in this nation uh, were people who had a military background. And we have gone from that kind of reverence and respect to the people who serve to now where, you know, people are almost ashamed to talk about the fact that they did serve. And if they do say they reluctantly serve, there comes that moment of hesitation. Common sense is where we began this argument. So the first parameter in common sense that needs to be restored is respect. It is common sense to respect the elderly. It is common sense to respect those that have gone before us. It is common sense to respect the people who are more efficient at what they do. But again, we are living in this age of the loss of common sense, and Time Magazine names a man by the name of Elon Musk as the Time Magazine person of the year. Uh, People have said that he's the richest man in the world. His net worth is north of $300 billion. Here's a guy who just comes up with invention after invention, and everything he touches almost seems to turn to gold. But now he is being vilified because he has money, and kind of think of it, how quickly the tide has turned. This man made his fortune by making and building an automobile that will save the planet. But wasn't saving the planet, the whole green revolution, the part of being a environmental responsible person, the whole bent of the last 20 years of the left? And now just because some person has figured their own game out and created a behemoth that will produce millions of automobiles here and now in Austin, Texas and in Berlin, Germany, 
Now he's suddenly vilified, not only by the people who feel he has too much money. Now, this is after a man has paid, he said, according to his own reports, something like 11 billion in taxes. There was a time when a billion was what we gave to a country as part of aid from the United States. And one individual is giving something like the tune of about what we use to support 10 countries. And they still look at him and say that I cannot believe that this person is capable of making a discussion or a decision. And the people who are commenting on him are people who absolutely have not created one job. And in fact, I would venture to guess that they have not created a single opinion. And by that, I mean all of their opinions are borrowed and it's the same talking points. There is not an original thought out there that comes down the pike. If you watch any of the news channels, the word will somehow come up and they'll use the same soundbite. In fact, I think yesterday I was listening to Dan, the Dan Bongino show or one of the other shows on my drive home. And uh, he was uh, he played what they call, I think they play, they, they call this the it's like part of their monologue or uh, they play this uh, soundbite, a collage of some kind. I don't know what words they use for that, but it's the same words repeated by people. And I heard that said about Elon Musk and I thought to myself, you know, there was a time when the scientists of this world, the people who uh, built and uh, gave contribution to this world were revered. There was a respect for those that actually put their hard-earned money when Elon Musk was telling someone that he actually slept in his factory and it was not a very comfortable bed, they kind of looked at him like, oh, maybe you're... No, this is what eccentricity is to some degree. It takes that kind of eccentricity to be able to pull off what this man has pulled off. And this, we seem to have lost respect. I, I venture to guess that if Einstein came forward today with his brilliance, someone would make a comment on his hair and other people would mock his accent, but three people would say that the way he look is kind of anti other people who have ruffled hair. Which means we go to the least common denominator because we have lost common sense. We just do not know where a dialogue or a discussion should begin. As you guessed by my accent and by my name, I'm not originally from this country, but I've labored here for 35 years. Even till today, in the common halls of where I work, people will walk up to me and they will ask me the dumbest questions you could possibly ask someone who makes a living as a communicator. Uh, I remember early in my life, someone would think, and I think I borrowed this joke from someone else, but I remember asked, being asked this question, do you have a July 4th in India? I said, no, we just go from July 3rd to July 5th. And they looked at me like I was from Mars. I said, that's just a joke. They say, well, you know, I just, uh, I just feel that uh, you should not be so quick to dismiss us that way. And I'm thought, what? Common sense, folks. Yes, we have a July 4th in India. Maybe we don't have fireworks, but everybody in the world has a July 4th. <laughs> you know, so this goes back to the basic questions they asked in an IQ test. How many days in the year have, you know, how many days in the year, how many months in the in the year have 28 days? And, uh, you know, the answer is all of them because uh, one may have 28, but all of them have 28 kind of, right? So it's fascinating to watch how dumb our arguments have become, but more importantly, how insulated we want to become about those dumb arguments. People have lost their ever-loving mind. And the late, great Rush Limbaugh always used to say, you know, and today he probably, if I said it, I couldn't get away with it. But he would mention a city in some part of the country and he would say, I'm going to slow down for the folks of you who are from there. I had a friend who was a public speaker who said the same thing and recently he got called on the carpet. He says, well, you know, you cannot uh, belittle people because of their geography. Folks, it's a joke. 
Now, I understand coming from India, I get asked this question a lot. They always ask me, do you know my doctor? And my natural response is, no, he doesn't know me either. Or they say, you're from India. I said, what gave it away, Sherlock? And they are shocked. But this goes back to the fact that, you know, our levels of communication have also lost their ever-loving mind because we don't have common sense. Now, if I'm going off on a rant, I hope that uh, you'll bear with me and you're finding some of this quasi-amusing. Because ask yourself, how many times during the course of the day you walk through life and you scratch your head and you say to yourself, well, that's just common sense. You know, some years ago, one of the people told me a story of them going into a, uh, a restaurant, a fast food restaurant. And I, here's another thing. Apparently, in some places, you can't say fast food. You have to say good food provided quickly because fast food has a moniker to it. You can't say fried food. You have to say food dipped in batter and, uh, you know, tossed over in oil till it achieves a crispy goodness that may be, you know, not good for your... Uh, gastronomic, I don't know, it's politically correct mumbo jumbo. At the end of the day, I really don't understand a lot of what that means. But we walked into one of these restaurants that served uh, good food fast or quickly or whatever. And the total was a 99 cents or whatever. It was a burger for 99 cents. So with just that, you may have guessed it would have narrowed it down to three or four establishments. And the person uh, who was uh, running their order had, you know, a paper hat, $9,000 worth of headgear, and a little bit of confusion as they looked at the cash register, looked up at the person and says, well, the cash register is kind of down. So, uh, and he looked at him and he says, well, taxation here is about 8%. So it's 99 cents. So I'm guessing it's a buck eight. <laughs> I mean, give or take a penny, but here's a buck eight. And she says, well, you know, let me get the manager. Well, you don't need to get a manager for a $1.08 transaction. Well, she says, no, unless I hit this particular picture that has your particular burger and the register opens. And she went through all this. So what happened is here we have a person who is trained, but the person is not developed. That's another reason why I believe our common sense has gone by the wayside, because we are training people to be absolute automatons. We're not developing them with any kind of base level instinct that makes them look at a rule and say, hey, you know what? I think I want to challenge this, not just on the basis of challenge, but on the basis of what is all holy and good. More after this. <laughs> We are back. Again, this is Chris Dunham filling in for Todd Huff, my dear friend, on Conservative Not Bitter. But by the likes of my voice or the sound of my voice and the narrative that I have taken on on common sense and the fall of common sense, I'm trying to do this tongue-in-cheek more in a comedic nature and not to be bitter because in most days I am extremely hopeful about what life is and what it has to offer. My mentor, Mr. Ziegler, was once asked the question, in spite of everything you see around you, do you have bad days? And he says, I do have bad days, but the input in my life that is good, clean, pure, powerful, and positive has been so much that I'm guaranteeing or venturing to guess that my bad days are better than most people's good days. So even today, as I'm off on a rant on common sense, I did wake up at four o'clock. I did write a poem this morning. And if you want that poem I just wrote called, Wounded Wonder, 
I think it came out pretty well, but it's called Wounded Wonder. Send me an email and we'll try to send that off to you at no at no expense to you, but just to bear with me. But I did that from 4 to 5, and then from 5 to 5.30, I read for a little bit. And I have a new discipline that allows me to combat every day. And one of the things I do is I wake up at 4 o'clock, and I usually read for about a half hour, and then I write for about a half hour. And then I send some emails and then I go back to sleep for an hour from about 5.30 to 6.30, meditating on that which I've just put in. People often ask me, how do you remember so much stuff? How do you stay so positive? I said, I'm like a six CD player on random. I don't know what's going to come out, but it's probably good since I put it in. So this is my daily ritual, my daily discipline. I've done it for 27 years. So even though I go off on a rant and I go off on a tangent occasionally and ask myself, has this world lost its ever love in mind? I probably can get back on track pretty quick because when I finish today's recordings and get them ready to send off to the studio, I still have to go and do a few meetings and get on with the process of trying to make a living as an individual, trying to provide for the company, trying to fight some of the economic hardships we're all going through. But back to the issue of common sense. One of the things that people told in the early days of the pandemic was that, uh, you know, X amount of effort on your part would solve all of the problems. So whether that was immunization, whether that was vaccination, whether that was maintaining distance, whether it was masking, whether that was testing, whether that was uh, reporting, whether that was spying, whatever the words were, we were convinced that behavior would take care of the outcome. Some people retaliated and said, no, since the history of time, uh, since the beginning of time, this particular way has provided the right approach. So there was this constant buzz where common sense was being battled both by the scientific community, the philosophical community, and the community that was impacted by both of them. That is 99% of the world that was affected by others making decisions for them. Now, I'm not for or against any of the issues out there. I've taken all the precautions. My wife is high risk. I personally did get vaccinated because it was required of international travel, and I did all the requisites. But here we are now, two years into this experiment, and now suddenly people are saying, hey, we need to use a little common sense. We need to use a little common sense that maybe not all of us can be pre prevented from achieving everything we wanted to achieve. Oh, let me get this straight. We have finally stumbled on that great white light. Uh, can I say white light? I guess I'm brown skinned so I can say it and have some immunity. But we have finally stumbled on that light, that illumination light that begins to tell us that a little common sense does help. One doctor gets on and he says, not all vaccinations are 100% perfect, which is proof, in fact, that even those who were vaccinated and boosted did get the disease or did get the virus. So people said that I've had friends who have had it. I've had friends who didn't get vaccinated and got it. I've had friends who were vaccinated and got it. And regardless of the outcome, depending on how they were personally, they overcame it in whichever way they could. But the interesting aspect of this was now the people are getting up and saying, regardless of all the precautions you take, when you're in public and you're within close proximity of other people, wear a mask. Well, that's good and dandy, and I'm not an anti-masker. I've traveled throughout Southeast Asia for most of my life. And during that time, I noticed even before the pandemic hit, before we had SARS, before we had any of the bird flu, any of the things, many of the people in that region wore masks. They wore it because of hygiene. Now, the irony is the place where this supposedly originated was a place where people have been wearing masks for 50 years before other people thought it was something that would help us. 
So does it help? Does it hurt? I don't know. But there is no winner-take-all kind of concept in a world that has migration patterns, that have people moving around, that have people traveling, that have people transporting. And just as we went to the airwaves today, we heard in the last couple of days that the country of England and the country of Scotland and the country of Ireland have decided to do away with all of this because they have kind of realized it's here to stay. Now, I'd venture to guess that a lot of the countries that had the stricter measures were people and places where they had the nationalized health care, and they realized that more people were flocking their system for as something as simple as a cold and were trying to keep people away, not because they didn't care or didn't want to take care of them. They just wanted to keep them away because the system was getting choked because nobody had to pay. Now, I think we went through some of the same thing here when people said, hey, if you feel you're being affected by this, nobody will charge you. Come free test, free vaccine. Like I said, I just am going with the data I see on a daily basis. But two years into this, my bride and I took all the precautions we can. Uh, we, Whenever I traveled, uh, I self-quarantined in another part of the house because she's high risk. And then I thought to myself, The only way we could have kept ourselves well, in addition to everything that was an uncontrollable, was a given, and the given is common sense. So let me rally back to that original point. In the world we are living in right now, there are three components that are affecting us every day that are literally making us lose our mind. But the first thing we need to realize is some things in this world will not change, and that's the given. And the given is that there is not a group of people you can elect that somehow, someday, one day will wake up and become wiser than you, and as a result of that, be able to make decisions for you. So nine times out of ten, the decisions they make for you are based on their opinion and what works for their constituents or what works to the promise they made. And as a result, someone is going to be affected. But you and I have to understand that it is a given and we cannot change it. The second are the uncontrollables and the third are the negotiables. But the uncontrollables are what we are experiencing right now. So for those of you within the sound of my listening voice, you know, ask yourself, what are the uncontrollables of the two years that you have just experienced? Forget what comes on the airwaves, because right now, as we speak, I guarantee you, if I get on the radio, someone is going to talk about the fact that the end inside, the end is inside, but we should not take away our guard. The end is inside, but we should not get reckless. What they are saying is that don't let common sense suddenly prevail. You still need my ignorance to run your life. More after this. thought I won't be back, but I am back. So we talked about the givens and the uncontrollables as we went to break. So how do you protect yourself from this fall of common sense and this seemingly immediate, immediately available rise of ignorance? Now, I would wish I was as malicious and I wish I was as vindictive so that I could just share with you the names of the people who irritate the living daylights out of me, and I wonder how they ever got elected. But you probably know who they are, and uh, because this is the home of conservative, not bitter, we're going to stay on the conservative side and try not to get bitter. Oh, at least my promise is not to get bitter. I want to do it uh, in in a fun way. But what is some of this rise of ignorance that we are now seeing as a result of all that we have experienced? So now let's put the pandemic on the back burner for a minute and look at the political situation in this country of the last year. 
Now, on most days, I reconcile to the fact that I'm just a dumb immigrant from another country. And literally, I can say dumb because I do believe I'm dumb. And I can say immigrant because I'm an immigrant. So I'm not I'm not maligning anybody. I'm not blaspheming anybody. And I don't want a bunch of uh, emails telling me that I need to change my vernacular and suddenly call myself smart and no longer call myself an immigrant. I came to this country 35 years ago. And yes, my friends, I was processed. When I landed in the John F. Kennedy Airport with my bride, who had been was born in America but raised in India, and she received an American citizenship in India while she was still there, uh, or got her U.S. passport there. When we landed in the John F. Kennedy Airport back in 1986, my friends, there were two lines. There were not 19 different kiosks and 14 different apps trying to get you expediently through a border crossing. There were two lines. One said citizens, and the other said others. Did you hear what I just said? It said citizens and others. And guess what? My wife was a citizen, so she went through the line that said citizen. And I was sent to the line that said others. In my hand, I had my uh, x-ray, which means I had to take a medical clearance before I was allowed to get a visa. My friends, you are not hearing me uh, correctly if you're not paying attention. Let me give you the process You go to the U.S. Embassy in India. You say, my wife was born in America, raised in India, and she did receive her U.S. citizenship while she was still in India. She went back to the U.S., came back to get married to me, and in coming get get back married to me, we went to the U.S. Embassy together to get the paperwork. Now, she was allowed in the embassy because she was a U.S. citizen, and as a result, I didn't have to stand in the long line that other people stood in, so they gave us the paperwork. We filled the paperwork out and took it back to the embassy after we had gone to the Justice of the Peace and got our marriage certificate. Once we filed our papers together, they asked me for a few other things that I already had to have before that date. Knowing the process, we went ahead and got that done ahead of time. What were some of the things you had to do ahead of time? I had to get a police clearance, not just from the city I was in, but from the city I used to live in which means the United States Embassy in India wanted to make sure that I had no kind of undesirable past that would prevent me from either leaving the country of India or something that would prevent them from wanting a person like me to come to the U.S. Now, at that time, I was not coming as a student. I was coming on what is called a 1R1, or at that time, it was called an immigrant visa. I was migrating to the United States because I'd married a citizen of the United States who was born here. Now, I'm sharing all this. It's not something that is uh, probably something you wanted to know, but I thought it'll give you a little bit of history. What else did they need for me in the U.S. Embassy before they even gave me the approval to come back for an interview? The medical clearance. The medical clearance at that time was a doctor's certificate of all the tests I had to go through. And then, yes, a physical x-ray of my body so that they could see that I was not carrying anything that would make me a drain on the system here. Once I did all of that and I was given my visa, I went, uh, I traveled back to the U.S. with my wife. We landed in the John F. Kennedy Airport. She went through the line that said citizen. I went through the line that said others. Then you go into a room and the word processed, like in the days of Ellis Island, is exactly what happened. Now, as I sat in that room, here are some of my initial feelings. The gentleman who walked in was kind and considerate. He says, I see you're here on a migrant visa, so our questioning time may take a little longer than usual, but is there anything I can get you? At two in the morning, I thought to myself, wow, I'm being processed and this man is asking me, is there something I can get you? 
But after about an hour and a half, my wife who had collected the bags or found out our bags had been lost, I think was the case, found her way back by saying, I'm a U.S. citizen. I just got married. I brought my husband over. I think he's back here somewhere. They said, yes, ma'am, we're just finishing up with him. And then we left. And of course, uh, I got to come into the country that I had dreamt of since I was seven years old. And when I came out, I found myself so fascinated and so joyous. I was, I had gone through quite a bit, probably not what some of these people who want to give up the hardship do in the migrant uh, caravans. I have great sympathy for people who want a better life, but I have no patience for people who want to challenge common sense. I have no patience for people who think that the solution to every problem in the world is rapid ignorance that nobody is going to use common sense anymore and they're not going to debate the policies and the merits and the laws of sovereignty. I don't care where you live in the world. Every country has borders. Every country has a situation. Every country has a regulation and every country has rules. I could not do some of the things that people do in the United States in any other country in the world and get some kind of a free pass. We cannot just change definitions and say that, you know what? Looting is now a necessity. Rioting is now peaceful. We're just mixing words together and hoping it'll work. But I remember when I first came to the United States, my wife who had come to India to get married to me, uh, was laid off from her job. She had an unemployment check waiting for her. And then she says, we have to go file for unemployment insurance. And I thought to myself, wow, here, if you work, they're going to put money aside. So when you don't work, they're going to give you money so that you can find another job. At least that's how it was explained to me, my bride. She said, America is a really benevolent country. When you're working, they'll take some money away from you. So when you're not working, they'll be able to give you some of it. And the goal of giving you some money is to find another job. For me, whatever the government gave was never a provision for sustenance. It was always a stopgap so that you can continue to participate in that which was free, that which was wholesome, that which was great, that which was a dream. And one of the things I really struggle with that I I loved about my beloved America, the country that has been my home now for the last 35 years, 36 pretty soon, is the fact that this rise of ignorance is crippling people with the ability to have the desire to dream that dream. Don't be so quick to jettison the words that matter, loyalty, love, integrity, faith, and hope. When we come back and close out this day, I'll give you some good news. Right, dear ones, uh, we've come to the home stretch. Uh, thank you for bearing with me on this total uh, jaunt of uh, the fall of common sense and the rise of ignorance. And we culminated with a little bit of my own excursion to this beautiful country. I'll never forget the day I was back in New York. It was about 15 years after I had been processed as an immigrant at the John F. Kennedy Airport. I had moved to Dallas at that point, got a job, moved from one job to the other, found stability, found hope, got a chance to go work for the great Zig Ziglar about five years into my stay in the United States. We had now become proud homeowners of a small starter home in suburban Dallas. I found myself doing a a big seminar in New York area, and they said, hey, one of the provisions we're going to give you is an opportunity to go watch a Yankees game at the famed Yankees Stadium. 
and uh, the tickets we have received are actually really good box seats fairly close to the floor. And there I was, you know, we were in the land of Ruth and uh, Gimaggio, and we were in the land of Gehrig, and I'm a baseball fan. And as I sat there and I could see the planes flying from New York's JFK airport over my head, I started to weep. I had waited long and hard to get to this country. I had prospered quite a bit within the confines of this country. I had gone through all the processes of being processed. I had done everything that was asked of me. I've practiced the common sense that was required of me to dream the dream. I combated the rise of ignorance all around. And suddenly there I was, the same immigrant kid who had come here with nine bucks in his pocket, sitting in Yankee Stadium. Hopefully tomorrow I'll take you down a different journey. But until next time, good luck, God bless, and we'll see you down the road. As a 